The finale of the ATP 500 tournaments didn't disappoint with two worthy winners in Basel and Vienna. Into that first serve, down the centre, and he wraps it up. The big, beaming smile on the South African's face as he wins the biggest title of his career here in Vienna. A crunching first serve. Nishikori had no answer to the power of Anderson. And Anderson, a thoroughly deserved victory. It's been a terrific campaign. Heartache along the way with that defeat in the Wimbledon final. But now he lifts his first ATP 500 title. A convincing win in the end. Just under two hours. 6-3, 7-6. An hour and 34 on the clock. Second serve. Onto the backhand of Kopel. It's up the middle of the court, big forehand from Federer, cross court, back and into the net from Koval! Roger Federer raises his hands in triumph! Swiss indoor title number nine! ATP title number 99! He continues to defy history! He's a star, and he's done it again at home! Roger Federer! the champion in Basel for the ninth time, 7-6-6-4. Hello and welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast and we're looking forward to wrapping up Roger Federer's 99th tour title and also a big win for Kevin Anderson over Kei Nishikori. I'm Peter Mercado alongside Naomi Cavaday and Naomi, we've had some really interesting finals. Yes, both were straight sets, but they had plenty of intrigue. Oh, they were great. Both of them were absolutely fantastic. All four players ultimately have been playing pretty well. I mean, Federer maybe not at his absolute best, but at the grand scheme of things, he's producing a fantastic level of tennis. So uh, we thought we were in for uh, some good ones, but uh, credit to all players out there because uh, they made the, it very entertaining. We are very much looking forward to bringing you all the action from the final Masters 1000 event, the Rolex Paris Masters throughout the week on ATP Tennis Radio. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But first... First, let's focus on the tournament in Vienna, and it was a win for Kevin Anderson over Kei Nishikori, 6-3, 7-6. We knew it was going to be a, an interesting matchup between these two, contrasting styles, and that second set certainly didn't disappoint, and just that break of serve giving Anderson the edge in the first set. How did you see it? Well, at the beginning of the match, actually, I thought both players just weren't quite at their best. Anderson, known for his big serving, and he just wasn't quite firing on that first serve, and he was just causing him a few problems. And Nishikori, so, so solid and steady throughout the whole week from the back of the court, which is what he does best, was making loads of unforced errors. So it was actually a bit of a choppy first set, and uh, Anderson just managed to hold on to his serve and do enough to get over the line there. But then, in the second set, Nishikori Corey raised his game and Anderson found his serve and some big forehands and really was looking fantastic through that second set and it was a great match, very competitive uh, by the end of it. It just took a little while to get going and Nishikori 
did find a good level, but I think overall he'll be a little disappointed with what he was able to produce. Uh, but Anderson actually just got better and better and better, and he was flying by the end. Yeah, Kevin Anderson through to the Nito ATP finals, which we'll have for you from the O2 Arena from November 11 to 18. He's qualified for that. And obviously, it's been a great season for him on so many different levels. He wins the title in Vienna. Let's hear from our champion. Kevin, congratulations. Your first ATP 500 title. Can you put into words what that means to you? Yeah, it means a lot. It's been um, a bit of a long time coming, I feel. I've been in quite a few 500s. And, you know, anytime you make the finals, it's, you know, you have to try and put the history behind you. And um, it's always going to be a tough match. I was up against an unbelievable opponent in K, and I really had to play some amazing tennis. So, uh, you know, couldn't be more pleased to have uh, kept at it and finally broken through at this level. With regards to the match, how vital was that fourth game of the first set after 15 minutes of trying getting that break yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, we were playing for 30 minutes and it was only in four games. I mean, I think it was really important um, and also be able to consolidate that and go up 4-1. I mean, there was still so much tennis to be played from that, but obviously that was an, you know, definitely a very important moment in the match. And now you've qualified for the O2 as well, so uh, that's got to be good. Relaxed feeling going into Paris. Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge goal of mine all year to make London, and I've said that right from the beginning. So to finally, you know, put my put my name there, uh, you know, feels you know feels fantastic. Um, but I'm going to put that to the side a little bit because really, my focusing on right now is enjoying, um, you know, a, a, a great week for me, a great match that I played, and uh, you know, definitely feels good to be the uh, uh, the winner this week. So the second title for 2018 for Kevin Anderson, and a huge moment for him too, Naomi, breaking through as he mentioned there for a 500 title and really of all the players throughout the season in terms of consistency he certainly deserves it. Yeah he said it was a long time coming and uh, yeah I've kind of got to agree with him it's almost bizarre that he hasn't been able to tick that off but now he has big big tick for him uh, and he still has many more goals that I think he really wants to achieve in the sport and uh, I think he recognises that that is a hard fought victory beating a top quality player in Kane Shikuri in the final it's uh, you know he, he didn't it wasn't necessarily necessarily given to him he had to play some fantastic tennis work incredibly hard and and uh, it's great that he's got that ticked off now another title in the bag he's won at 250 level 500 level well we know what's next exactly and and the fact that he had struggled in masters 1000s levels and he's sort of been that player that's been okay yep going to be consistent quarter finalist maybe a semi-finalist in some of the, the lower tier level events but now he's consistently breaking through and obviously you know Wimbledon this year is the, the major highlight but he's been able to string those results together he has uh, absolutely it, it's just been a fantastic year I mean I can't think back to a match that Kevin Anderson has played where he's just it's just been a disaster he has played at such a high level and he used to be a bit of a streaky player because he did have such a big game he's understanding his discipline a lot more now and, and also the mental strength it's something he always talks about he has improved that out of sight we usually or we're used to seeing him kind of maybe throwing some wobbles at those tight moments we didn't see it in the final at all uh, today we didn't see it in some of we haven't seen it in some of his big wins through the years so uh, huge improvements for him Kane Ishikori actually going into the match led the head-to-head 4-2 it's been an interesting year for Nishikori it's great that he's fit playing at such a high level this is his third final that he's lost in 2018 and I guess it depends on how you look at it they're actually fit and playing really well and getting to the finals is a good result but for a guy who's been thereabouts he's 28 years of age he's ranked 11 in the world and it's time to take that next step. 
Yeah, and when you look at the year as a whole, it's not finished just yet. But we're almost there. I think you've got to say it's a fantastic year for Kane Ishikuri. He's been fit. He's played an awful lot of matches. He's done incredibly well, picked up some fantastic wins along the way, produced some good quality tennis. He absolutely is on his way back towards the top of the game. But if you isolate those three finals, they've been disappointing performances from him. Really, he has dipped down from the from the level that he has produced through the week of the tournament. Uh, and it, it was more noticeable, I think, in Tokyo because it is his home country. And, you know, I mean, we thought maybe it was the pressure, but uh, uh, that will need to be looked at. So as you say, it depends how you look at it. Overall, what a fantastic year he's had. I mean, he will be desperate to try and clinch that last spot in London. And, uh, and that would just be uh, another big tick by his year. But I think in isolation, you can look at those matches and, and they might need to address that mentally. So the win for Kevin Anderson getting the job done over Kei Nishikori. And the man Anderson beat in the quarterfinals is Borna Chorich. Speaking of players who are having particularly good years, Borna is finding some good form in 2018 with a career-high ranking to boot. Forehand hooked onto the sideline from Chorich and again from Chorich. But the defence is good from Djokovic. who scampers and slides into the one-handed backhand inside in. Djokovic is defending for his life and Chorich is on the attack. But still it comes back from Djokovic. Djokovic and down the line from Chorich and still it comes back and back and down the other wing. What a point! Chorich coming out on top. So far this year it's been an incredible year and you're at a career high ranking. What do you think's changed most for you this year to enable you that success? Uh, first of all, I think I changed uh, my whole mentality about the game, uh, about how I'm going to go to the tournaments, how I play tennis. I changed my whole team as well and you know they gave me some confidence and. Uh, uh, you know, I think there is obviously a couple of the reasons why it happened, um, but I think you know I had uh, I had a very very long off season. I was working for the six and a half weeks basically. Uh, I think I gained uh, many things there, uh, and which then I just put it in the court, and um, then you know I got some confidence in, and you know I think for the whole year I was actually healthy for the first time. Pretty much, so I could play uh, all the tournaments also, uh, and uh, all together it it, it was uh, it was very good year. Federer goes to the backhand of Chorit. He's up the net, plays a forehand ball into the net. Chorit raises his arms. He's got a massive smile on his face. This is not the 99th title that we thought it would be for Roger Federer. He smiles, but that's a slight smile through gritted teeth for Roger Federer. It's a smile of pure elation from Borna Joric. Of course, you've already won a title at 500 level this season, and to do that, you had to beat Roger Federer. So, how significant was that title? Yeah, it was something huge for me. You know, like I said many times, I I won before that only I think three matches on the grass court in a, in a three or four years. So, just to win first round there against. Uh, I was playing against Zverev. It, it was already big for me, and I didn't expect it. But I was playing really good. I came there very early, so I was really preparing for uh, for uh, uh, such a period of time. And um, and yeah, then you know, just I was playing better and better in each match. And in the final, I was just looking forward to it. You know, I was not nervous. I was not expecting anything. I already did much more than what I expected. You know, so I had really nothing to lose, and that's how I played. Of course, you've had a lot, a lot of attention from a very young age, especially after beating Rafa at 17 in, uh, in Basel. Was that tough to deal with initially? And uh, obviously, you're still young now, but is that getting easier? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the part of the tennis, I think. And um, as I said, you know, I think we're gonna have it for the. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have it for the next 10 or 15 years. You know, that kind of pressure. Obviously, it's gonna change a little bit, like now it did, obviously. And but back then, yeah, it was it was difficult times for me. You know, I was focusing too much uh, only on the points. I was not focusing on how I'm gonna improve my game, uh, how I'm gonna play. I, I didn't improve. Uh, as a tennis player, so I think that's why I kind of I was I was stuck at, at, at one level for a very long period of time for the two and a half three years I, I couldn't really break through, and that's why in um, in the last off season I decided I decided to change something and to try something new because I I, I wanted to do something better. So obviously, of course, you're you're still a young guy now. Do you think the most significant uh, kind of steps up you're going to make are kind of more men- mental than physical in the coming years? I think um, I can improve in every aspect of the game. To be honest, I, I really see many things where I can where I can still improve. And uh, me and my coaches, we are we are working on it every day, pretty much. So you know, I can I can improve on the mental side. I can improve on the fitness side for sure as well. Uh, Tennis-wise, you know, we've been working a lot this year, but still, I, I, we see some improvements. Also technical, also you know, the way I play, the way I position myself on the court. So yeah, I, I think there is. There's plenty of space to improve. And it, was there a significant step up in your physical conditioning going into this season, in the off season last season? I think I was I was always pretty fit player. You know, I never struggled. You know that I cannot play f- for long matches or, or stuff like that. But you know, I think more it was kind of that I was always injured or you know kind of injured. I had small problems, and it would always you know keep me from the tournaments or you know just when I come to the quarterfinals I fear something and I cannot play. On 100 percent, and you know that's that's also uh, hugely important. So this year we've been working a lot uh, on my body, on and that's pretty much it. I mean, okay, I had some small problems, but it was nothing really big. So that's I think you know one of the one of the biggest wins in this season. Well, Naomi, born at Chorich, making some good strides in his career. We always knew that he had the talent in him, now it's starting to be realised because he is getting into the business end of tournaments and not just your smaller tournaments but the bigger ones as well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one with uh, with Chorich because he's only 21 but he's been around for so long. We feel like he's kind of in his mid-20s but still such a young player with plenty to learn and he burst through when he was a teenager into the top 100 and then he kind of got stuck in that middle pack uh, because ultimately he really came from a grinding sort of place. His game style was always quite a grind for him and he would be really consistent and he got to the level where well if you don't really develop any weapons how are you going to punch your way through the better players and he has been working so hard the past couple of years particularly on the forehand side it has improved outrageously it used to be a weakness it's now a huge strength of his and he's just been having a fantastic 12 months a big breakthrough for him I absolutely see it continuing in 2019 I feel like he's kind of got it all together and it's now just about getting out on court getting the big wins under his belt and then he'll push on and push on and push on because there's no real weakness in him at the moment including against Roger Federer back in Hulla if we think back 
to sort of the middle part of the year. Speaking of Roger Federer, Naomi, do you like that little segue nice. in there? This is the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Peter Mercado alongside Naomi Cavanagh, and we are wrapping up the last of the 500 tournaments for 2018. And, of course, the final stop is Basel in Switzerland, one that is owned by Mr. Roger Federer. Well, pretty much is. He's won his ninth title there, his 99th title overall, and he got it done over an unlikely opponent, Marius Kopel from Romania, who came into the tournament, ranked around the, the, the 100 mark. He now rises about 40 spots in the rankings to number 60, coming through qualifying, has a giant killing run throughout the week, including against Sasha Zverev in the semi-finals. Marin Cilic along the way too, but it was Federer too good today. 7-6-6-4. But the top seed, no, he didn't have it all his own way. It was hard, wasn't it? It was a very challenging final. Marius Koppel was fantastic in just throwing everything at Roger Federer, just launching himself, as he has done through the whole week, as he did through qualifying, as he did against Sasha Zverev and Cilic. And he's just relentlessly attacking belting serves down he was brave he was bold and he really believed he could win which was extraordinary to see a player with such a lack of experience as he does be in the final against Roger Federer in Basel it couldn't have got any tougher and he really believed he, he could win he went a break up in both sets really piled the pressure on but Federer responded with such steel and classiness he didn't necessarily play his best tennis but he played well when it mattered and he got over in straight sets which was very impressive always an emotional tournament for Roger Federer he was a ball kid here back in the day he's now knocked over nine of the big trophies and let's hear from our champion congratulations Roger ninth title here in Basel. We could see how much it meant to you out there on the court, but can you try and put that into words for us? It's very difficult, you know, for me to explain what it, uh, how it feels like, because, uh, you know, just walking out for a, a Basel finals was always my dream, maybe, just even already just playing on the center court was a, was a thrill 21 years ago for the qualies. Um, so when you sit there and the trophy ceremony is starting and the ball kids walk out, I remember being in their shoes and me walking out, you know, with my friends at the time that I did it for two years. So, um, you know, and then I give them all a medal, thank them for their efforts. And I feel like I'm looking at myself in some ways, you know, uh, when Wayne Ferreira and uh, other great players gave me my first medal here in Basel. So to come through and uh, win again here in my hometown, never knowing if this might be your last time that you had the opportunity to play a finals to maybe win for the last time here. In, the, in my city, um, it obviously means a lot to me and it becomes very emotional, so emotional always at the very end. And you have grown up here, you've, you've got so much expectation on you, so much pressure. Does that get harder every year that you do better, that you win every year and there's just more and more expectation? I mean, look, I was tense today, I was nervous, you know, but it started more throughout uh, the game because I, you know, I couldn't really um, get my game going the way I, I was hoping it to go against Koppel, but he did very well, I think he... Um, came out and he played nice tennis, you know, thankfully that's, I, I was uh, really good this week by taking my opportunities, you know, especially on the return of serve. And I think that's what get, got, got me victory this week, not so much the serving, but actually my returning part, so which I can be very happy about. Um, after that, you know, um, I don't know, I mean, like, of course I have pressure, of course I have nerves, but I try to block it aside and just enjoy it for what it is and actually more think of what a privilege it is to be in this position. You touched on it a bit there, but how impressed have you been with Koppel? I mean, he had his attitude today was fearless. He, he yeah. broke you twice early on, and 
He looked really good out there today. He played great, you know, that's what I told him as well. He's won more matches than I did this week, so he's the champ really of the Basel, Basel week. Uh, unfortunately for him, he couldn't get it done maybe at the very end, but uh, uh, nevertheless, this is a great year end for him and uh, I hope he's going to play another great season next year. But uh, what a nice serve he has and, uh, you know, nice, cool demeanor on the court as well. And I'm, uh, I wish him all the best, really. And what next for you? Obviously, you've had a tough week. You've got a lot of family and friends here. Mm -hmm. You celebrate for a few days, have a few days off? Um, so I've been celebrating already. We've had a great time. A lot of kiddies around, running around, um, cousins and um, family and uh, and then obviously friends, you know, who I know since, since such a super long time. My, my godparents are here. Everybody's here. So we had about over 50 tickets this, uh, this match today. So we, it's always more fun when you can celebrate in a big group. So that was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, so now we've got the press and I got all that stuff coming. And then later on, I'll, I'll drive home and, and sleep in my own bed. It's going to be great. And you have the pizza party as well to come. Absolutely. You're right. I totally forgot. I got the pizza party with all the, the ball kids uh, happening like I do every year. So I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be great fun. I'm looking forward to it. So there is Roger Federer, 99 titles. He's 10 behind Jimmy Connors, the all-time record at 109 on the ATP World Tour. Naomi Cavaday, where does title 100 come? Because we're, we're assuming that it's going to happen. It's definitely coming. Right. I mean, it just it has to. Um, his 100th title will come in 2019. Where? Well, always with the detail, right, aren't you? I'm, I mean, come on, I've already... I'm ready. We've got time. <laughs> hey, it's an open-ended thing, these podcasts. Um, ah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure. What's he going to play? I don't know his schedule for the beginning of the year. I don't think he knows. Well, he exactly. does know. He's so, playing Hop I know, he can tell he's playing he's Hopman Cup. Okay, Hopman Cup. Does that count? Australia it no. doesn't count. <laughs> Hopman Cup and then the Australian Open. Uh, well, yes, of course, he'll play the Australian Open. I think it will be after the Australian Open. I think it will be another ATP 500 event. Maybe Rotterdam. Mm. He got back to number one in the world in Rotterdam last or this year. Who knows? But I think in the first four months of the year he will pick up his 100th title he will have plenty of competition along the way players trying to stop him including the next generation and we're very much looking forward to bringing you the atp that's a segue too. the atp next gen finals in milan from november 6 to 10 the player who will be the one to watch because he comes in as the top seed with sasha zverev playing in the nito atp finals it's stefanos Tsitsipas. And he's been another of the big stories this week, still basking off the glory of his recent win at the interim Stockholm Open. It was a moment of history in Stockholm. A maiden ATP World Tour title for Stefanos Tsitsipas, whose 2018 just keeps getting better and better. The action begins now. At the Next Gen Finals, my first vlog was on the Next Gen Finals. Stefanos has spent the last year on tour vlogging as a side note to his tennis, capturing life on the road for fans on his YouTube channel. When I saw it for the very first time, I was just fascinated by the, the way of doing it. And you can express yourself in good ways and you can inspire other people. Just arrived to this beautiful place, next stop Paris. I actually learn about myself when I vlog. I experiment a lot and I do different things, different angles. It's a good way to keep your fans updated and it's a good interaction with anyone who's watching. I'm living the dream, man. It's just a great hobby and I enjoy, and I enjoy doing it. My team, I believe, is uh, you know, really strong and they, they support me a lot. Me? Yeah. I try to combine both family obligations and uh, 
tour obligations and uh, we travel. And having my dad next to me uh, means a lot because he can keep track of things and we can uh, experience things together, father and son. We trust each other and I can say we love each other. The first real peak of Stefanos' season came in Toronto. Four wins over top ten players took him to his first final at elite level. I was actually not paying attention that much if I'm facing Novak Djokovic or whoever else. I was concentrated on my game, I can say. Uh, that's how I felt when I entered the court. I was uh, just executing my plan, uh, being aggressive, not giving him space and time. Oh, brilliant! I knew that if I would start thinking too much, then it won't be good for my game. So I said, just you know, keep playing, keep, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing it well. So that match point was... I, couldn't be, I, I simply couldn't believe it, what just happened. It's another day to remember for Stefano Tsitsipas. I was super happy after that victory. It was, uh, it was just a dream coming to life. 2018 just gets better and better. Yet another top 10 victory for the 19-year-old, but surely this is the biggest. The support was amazing. I felt like playing in Athens. I felt like I was playing in my hometown. I lost to Rafa in Barcelona. You know, it, it is not easy to come back and play another final against Rafa, but this time it was not on clay, it was on hard. On the second set, it uh, was a breakdown. Managed to break Rafa when he was surfing for the match, if I'm not wrong. Sitsipas strikes and he breaks, and it's game on in Toronto. But overall, it was, I can say, great experience facing Rafa once again in a final. Rafa rules in Toronto. I believe I'll have my opportunities against him in the future if I face him again, but uh, I'll just have to work hard. And it was the week of my life, I can call it, until now. He is a supreme talent, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Naomi, how far do you think he can get? Is he the one that's going to, from that next generation, to challenge those big three? Quite possibly. Uh, he's, he's got all the elements, hasn't he? It's now about bringing it all together and then doing it on a consistent basis and then doing it under unthinkable amounts of pressure. It would be extraordinary if from the next generation it wasn't Sasha Zverev to be the first player to win a Grand Slam, but uh, he has got company now. It was just him leading the way. And of course, he still is head and shoulders above everybody else. That has to be said. As much as other players are making some waves, but Sitsipas right behind him and you can't underestimate how fantastic a year Sitsipas has had actually more kind of six to, to eight months really it started halfway through the season but last year in Milan at the next gen finals he was a, an alternate he did play against Sasha Zverev in a in an exhibition set uh, he was there but he didn't actually get in and now he'll be there as the top seed and heavy favorite to win it so it's quite a leap and he'll be the 14th seed at the Rolex Paris Masters. We're looking forward to bringing you all the action across the week on ATP Tennis Radio. And let's turn our attention to the event. We're looking forward to the last of the Masters 1000s for 2018. Well, the tournament director, he's been the tournament director for the last couple of years, uh, one of the big names in French tennis, Guy Forget. And we got his thoughts pre-tournament on how things were going to roll out at the Rolex Paris Masters. Well, you know, like every year, we're all very excited. Um, we've been working hard for the last few weeks to get the tournament ready. There was a concert not so long ago here in the Accor Hotel Arena, and um, all the team have been working very hard to get the courts ready and, um, and the restaurants and all the... Uh, 
sponsors area is ready and uh, finally there it is just like uh, magic when the players arrive everything is uh, done for, for them to have a good time and to have an exciting week here. Uh, we're very fortunate to have um, a Masters Sales on in Paris at the end of the year. Uh, it's the last Masters Sales of the season and uh, we sometimes have very uh, interesting uh, results. Uh, a lot of question marks on the ATP Tour Finals and the, sometimes the number one spot in the world. Uh, so, um, you know, we, once again we, we look forward to the next few matches. Yeah, I wanted to delve into a few of those storylines. First of all, Rafa and Roger. Um, Rafa, after last year and the, the slight disappointment, well, the, the sheer disappointment of him pulling out, wonderful to see him back out there practicing the way he is today. I know, and he's been off the courts for, for quite a while now. And uh, a few weeks ago, he said he was going to try to make it to the Rolex Paris Masters. So it felt very special to me and to all his fans here in Paris. And, and as you can guess, there's a lot of them. Um, but he, he sure did so, and uh, uh, I think until the last minute he didn't know if he was going to make it. Uh, finally, he's here, he's been working uh, out uh, every day on the stadium court, and uh, it looks like you know, he, he'll be able to compete at a high level. And uh, no matter you know, who he plays against, what round it is, he always gives his, his best, and that's the least you can expect from him. Now with Roger, you know, he just won Basel and we expect to, to see him um, uh, probably tomorrow or the following day. Um, but then you have Novak as well, who's back to probably his best level. He won four times our tournament. Uh, so that's why that tournament is so, is so exciting to follow this year especially. So you're waiting to hear from Roger, are you? Uh, you say he's just won Basel. Uh, is it fair to say you're in fairly constant contact with these guys for, for the weeks leading up? Well, not, not really, because um, all of them know this tournament is a big one. Uh, there's 1,000 points to win. Uh, it's an indoor event. Uh, the conditions are perfect to play great tennis here. Uh, but on the other hand, some of them have had you know, numerous injuries in the past. Some of them are a little tired. Uh, but yet, they want, able, they want to be able to come here and to perform. I mean, the ATP Tour Finals in London is just following up uh, one week after the finals here. So um, this is a great way, in a way, to improve your ranking and to get ready for that next event. So um, some years we've had a bit of bad luck. I think it seems like every five, four or five years we have a kind of a, a tough draw with you know, guys having injuries or surgery. But it seems like this year uh, we are back on track with a very good year and a, and a great field of players. Is it fair to say your expectations have almost flipped with Roger, whereby if, in the past if he came, if he didn't come, you, you were disappointed. Now if he comes, you'd be, you'd be a little bit surprised? Well, you know, he's won the tournament here. Uh, we all know how much he likes to play uh, indoors and how successful he can be on that surface because he's such a, a great and complete player. Now, when you're a tournament director and you're supposed to have the best players in the world, you, um, you know that occasionally you know, one or two might skip it or might be out, unfortunately. You know, what, what really was um, hurting us, in a way, is when you have a, a few of them all together the same year. And um, it, it sure was the case last year. Uh, it was the case some, f I think, five years ago as well. Uh, but uh, overall, I think most of the players, you know, I mean, um, you know, were here, played, played great tennis. And uh, we always have close to 130,000 uh, fans coming throughout a week, which is a, a great for an indoor event. So, uh, you know, our tournament is successful in terms of popularity and, and the, the kind of tennis we expect, no matter what ranking the players are on court, you know, is phenomenal every year. I think that's due to the fact that we play indoors as well.
Yeah, you, you mentioned Novak before. Um, how important is Novak's return, do you think, for tennis? Well, you know, we all remember uh, as far as we can go back to uh, probably uh, when I was my teenage years with Borg and McEnroe and Connors. And you like these opposions of style of these great charismatic champions who won all the major events. You know, sure enough, after that, you know, Lendl came over and then Boris Becker, Stefan Edberg, and, and I probably forget a, f a few down the road. And then after those guys, um, Andre Agassi, Pete Sampras, Michael Chang, um, and then Roger Federer, you know, came up, and Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. And these champions, you know, won more than 10 majors in their career, and they're playing at the same time together. Uh, you know, what's making events so very successful and exciting is when the people want to see the best guys, you know, fight and play each other. Uh, I think that's why the tour is successful and those master cells and have so much success. Is you usually know that when you're going to come out, you're going to see the best of the best on court. So um, you sometime, we sometimes miss one, but when, when we have all of them together, it, it makes it very special. I'm battling for the world number one spot with Rafa, of course, Novak, this, this week. The fact that there's the battle for the last few places in London, obviously Paris is a huge event in its own right, but... Does that also add just that extra little international, global frisson that, that might not be there otherwise? Well, to me, it does. I guess to a lot of, of uh, uh, passionate fans, it does as well, because they follow every week, every result. They count the points. I think probably towards the general public, you know, who, whoever will qualify in a six, seven or eight position doesn't really matter because they're gonna just going to turn their TV on in London and see, you know, whoever's going to win it. Uh, but, you know, it adds up altogether. You know, who's going to be number one in the world? Is it going to be Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic? They've had numerous fights in the, in the past. Um, what's going to happen in Paris? You know, who's going to qualify? I mean, that creates that buzz all the time. And, and that's why, you know, tennis is, is, is so successful right now is because you have these figures, these charismatic figures that, um, you know, participate in our event. And there's the feeling, as you mentioned earlier, that, Almost anything is possible here in Paris. We saw that last year with Jack Sock, I think 24th in the race coming here and qualifying for London. Why is it, do you think, that that is the case more perhaps here in Paris than anywhere else? Well, I mean, looking back, probably for various reasons, I mean, one of them, which I don't like really, is, uh, first of all, is because a few of the top players were injured. Uh, if you look at the winners of the Master Cells in the last 15 years, most of the time, the same players win them. I mean, just like the majors. You know, if you, if you, if you take out Andy Murray, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, uh, and Djokovic Federer, uh, you probably had Wawrinka in there. I mean, who else won any of the majors? So those guys as well won most of the Masters thousand. So when they're not there, a lot of other you know, players go, hey, listen, maybe that could be my time. Maybe I could do something great here. So not only they've performed very well, but they've, they, they um, took advantage of the fact that some of those guys weren't there. Uh, I mean, the year David Ferrer won here, that was like five or six years ago. Uh, he sure played great, but as well, you know, he was there when you know, some of the top guys lost or, or, or were gone, which is a great effort, by the way, because the top 40 guys in the world are playing that tournament. Um, but, th you know, that, that's part of the, uh, of the game as well, is to be able to put it through, just like Jack Sock did last year. I mean, he had a great run. What was funny, he's almost lost in the first round, I think, against Carl Edmund. Uh, and he was down 4-1, point for 5-1, and uh, he was almost in his flight back to the U.S. 
And uh, sure enough, with a smile on his face, he had a couple of winners and won the match, won Paris, and then qualified for London. He got to the semis there. So that, that, it's funny how quickly things can change in the right way sometimes. And what of the court? And this is a question from the commentators. They've actually asked me to ask you about the speed of the court this year and what you've done with that, whether you've kept it the same or whether you've made it a bit quicker. No, we, we've kept it the same. Uh, we've increased the speed last year because a lot of the feedback I got from the players and even Roger Federer told me, uh, I think two or three years ago, that you know he thought the indoor courts were too slow. And I agreed with him because I, I saw a lot of points with very long rallies where it was very difficult you know, to come in and hit a, a winner volley. I mean, the players were so fast and their passing shots are so precise that there was n not a chance to, to, to hit a correct approach and, and, and hit a, a clean volley. So any, I think any attack in the game should be rewarded. You know, when you hit a short ball, uh, then your opponent is going to attack you and, and then you basically should lose a point most of the time. When the surface is too slow, which is sometimes the case on the outdoor season, but indoors you should be re rewarded for playing an offensive style of play. And I'm in favour of that. So that's why last year we've increased the speed. I don't know if it's a big margin, maybe by 15%, between 15 and 20%. And, and it's funny because the feedback we got from the players was, oh, this is much nicer now. And by the way, the tour finals in London last year have followed you know, what we did with the speed. So we kept the same and hopefully you know, guys will really be happy at the end of the tournament as well. I was going to ask you who you're most looking forward to, but let's attack that question in the same vein as asking you about your wild cards, because they're your wild cards, let's not forget, and also the Frenchman in the draw. So we're, we've got who uh, Joe Wilfred Tsonga, uh, Pierre Huguebert, and Hugo Humbert, who perhaps no, not many people know much about. Talk, talk me through just each of them quickly and, and how you came to the decision. Well, uh, I mean, first of all, we, we uh, talked to the technical director of the French Federation because um, and Yannick Noah, of course, was a Davis Cup captain because, you know, having a Davis Cup final on the way, it's a priority. And we wanted to make sure that the players who were going to play in the main draw, uh, if they were on, on the national team, you know, we're going to be able to participate in the tournament. If they were in the qualifying, you know, they would have to play the main draw to, to play the matches against the best players in the world. For that reason, you know, Joe Wilfried Songa, he has a chance to be on the team. And Pierre Huguerbert as well, you know, was on the, on the winning team last year. So for those two players, it was a way to directly enter the main draw. Now, we always felt at the French Federation that we needed to support the younger players, players with the potential. You don't want to sacrifice a player like a, like a bad gift. You know, play at the Royal Expiry Masters and get you know, wiped out 6-1, 6-1 because you're not good enough. Now, when we have a young player who's got potential, who's been really training hard, who's been showing numerous good results, not of that scale, of course, but you know, getting close, we felt it was the right time to give a wildcard to Hugo Humbert because he... He played qualifying last year. He won a round. He had a very tough loss, you know, in the match to qualify. Uh, he just entered the top 100 in the world. He's a lefty. I mean, he takes the ball really early. He has a really aggressive game. And uh, we feel for him it could be a, a, a great way to play the best guys in the world and eventually win a match or two, uh, depending on the draw. Now he plays Manorino first round. It, I think it's, he can have a good match against Adrian, who is a lot more experienced than he does. But uh, we really want to see him against you know, players of that, of that level, you know, players of the, of the top 40 in the world. And I think Hugo is ready, and I hope he won't get too 
paralyzed or, or tensed by the uh, expectation that probably the 15,000 people will be in that stadium will have when they watch him play. Yeah, it's going to be wonderful for him. Uh, just final question. Given all of this, what does success look like for you next Sunday? I think the finals will be wonderful no matter who plays. When you have such a great field, you know you probably will see uh, either one of those top players we've talked about. With a bit of luck, we'll have a French guy, although they haven't been playing great in the last few weeks. But, you know, I mean, the, we sold out of it, our tickets for the last four days, so it'll be a packed house. Uh, once again, indoor tennis, I think, is so special because there's no wind, no sun, no bad bounce. And we've seen so many wonderful matches in the last few years. And that, that's what's so special about indoor tennis. So I think we'll all be thrilled. We'll have uh, great emotions and we'll, I think, all celebrate a great winner. Naomi Cavaday, there are so many great players. You know that it is going to be a good event when the last direct acceptance is ranked 43 in the world and players inside the top 50 are having to go through qualifying. Yeah, it's pretty strong, isn't it? As always, it's pretty strong, but it is so unpredictable. We see this every year. We don't have a lot of tournaments indoors, so that's what changes it because there are plenty of players that prefer playing indoors to outdoors. It, of course, is the back end of the season, so you have some people carrying some injuries, just being quite tired. I think if you are ranked maybe 12 to 25, you absolutely have to peak for this time of year because you can break through some of those top guys and get those opportunities, especially the ones that may have already qualified for uh, the Nito ATP finals. And it's just cracking. Everywhere you look, every match is incredible. I mean, we've got a first round match, Raonic and Songa. Obviously, the return of uh, Rafael Nadal from his uh, injury layoff. And the, some talk, it's, as he said, it's, it's either that kind of a, a couple of week thing or a whole season kind of thing. He's going to have a go. He's got a bye in the opening round. And then a tough second round match, potentially Shadi or Vadasco. And this is the thing. As you were saying, you've got quality matches all the way through. Defending champion Jack Sock comes in as the 16th seed. He hasn't had the greatest of seasons in 2018. He could finish on a high. And, and the players that we've been talking about, Sitsipas, Chorich, Anderson, obviously coming after winning the, the title. Nishikori has a point to prove. He'll want to go deep as well. And then we look at some of the unseeded players. There, there's so many different potential storylines to come through here. Oh, absolutely. It, it's just, it, it's an absolute just tennis fest. Lots of players playing incredible, incredibly well. In terms of informed players that aren't necessarily the top guys, of course, you have Djokovic with the return of Nadal, Federer, uh, Zverev, all of those to watch. But the ones that maybe aren't necessarily on your radar, but they should be. Nikolos Basilashvili playing fantastically well, takes on John Millman first for a chance to have a run out against Kevin Anderson, who may be a little bit tired, who knows. But that is a, that is one to watch. You have Francis Tiafo in there as well, young player causing a storm. Medvedev took his uh, first title. I, I knew you'd mention that. Medvedev, of course, coming up against Karenio Busta uh, in the first round. Uh, and I mean... I mean, just to name a few, you've got Hashanov in there, also Shapovalov playing against Gasquet to play against an out-of-form Jack Sock. You could just really stick a pin in it. You'll be watching a fantastic match. Uh, but for me, all eyes will probably be on Novak Djokovic. 
Well, the, the way you were going, you were going to mention everyone in the field. <laughs> we weren't going to just name a few. We are going to actually run through all of them. But that's how exciting it's going to be. Yes. When the coverage gets underway. We will be on air the Rolex Paris Masters every day, a half an hour before play starts on Centre Court. And we will have every match covered for you here on ATP Tennis Radio. Join us for ball-by-ball commentary. And as always, there's a number of ways to listen via the website, atpworldtour.com. Just click on the Listen button at the top of the homepage. We're also available on TuneIn Radio on the website and the app and also on the Tennis TV website and app. I'm Peter Mercado. My thanks to Naomi Cavaday and we look forward to being a part of the Rolex Paris Masters. We hope you can join us all week here on ATP Tennis Radio.